Hey everyone, before we get started, let me just say that we are so thankful for the great work that's being done across agricultural leadership and the leadership discipline in general. We have tried our best to acknowledge the work of authors as we discuss them in the podcast, but in case we missed it, just let us know and we'll be glad to make sure that we give credit where credit is due. Now, let's head on into the day's episode and engage with the Leadership Combine. On today's episode, we'll talk about the diverse backgrounds people across agriculture come from and how they end up in agriculture. As the agriculture industry continues to grow, so do the diverse backgrounds of the people involved. As an industry that prides itself on growing and improving, it becomes so important to understand how people you're working alongside came to be and how they ended up in the industry. A previous episode discussed how different the products and people in the ag industry are from coast to coast. In this episode, we'll get more into the stories and backgrounds of individuals and what leads them to work and impact the ag industry. Welcome to the Leadership Combine. It's time for the Leadership Combine, a place where learning and applying lessons of leadership helps you make a larger impact and become a better and more informed leader. Get ready to engage in leadership, agriculture, community development, and all points in between. This podcast is sponsored by the Agricultural Leadership Discipline at Texas Tech University. Settle in. It's time to start the combine. Well, let's jump into the topic. As a reminder, our content experts have been taking a diversity in agriculture course offered through the Ag Leadership Discipline at Texas Tech University. Today's guests are Chloe, Sophia, Kyler, and Gabby. You'll get a chance to learn more about them in the episode. Thanks for being with the Leadership Combine today. Chloe, how did you all end up into this topic? Yeah, well, as each of us were talking, we all realized that we had completely different backgrounds, yet we were all here at Texas Tech pursuing a career within the agricultural industry. That's when we started questioning how each of us ended up in this industry and even just sitting in the same classroom with a passion for agriculture. So you've brought up the backgrounds. What are those backgrounds that led you all to this passion for agriculture? We'll start with you, Kyler. Well, I guess as far as my background goes, I've always been a part of agriculture. Um, I was born into it, and I've always had a love for it. I grew up right in the middle of one of our very own cotton fields. Uh, we run our own family farm, growing mostly cotton, uh, but occasionally wheat, sorghum, or hay grazing. So agriculture is something that I've always known, and I've always been around. I can remember from a very young age, especially in the summer, but sometimes even during the school year, going with my dad to do tasks or activities on the farm. Now, I obviously didn't start off running my own tractor or making big decisions regarding crops, but I did start off helping my dad with small things, fixing equipment and riding with him on the tractor or a couple of things. But really the biggest thing is all the practical lessons I've learned from going with my dad all the time. And so gradually as I got older, I took more and more steps and now I can operate a tractor on my own or I can spray weeds or repair equipment because I grew up doing it. And you know, a lot of people in the ag industry who also share the same passion I do, don't know how to do a lot of the hands-on agriculturally related tasks that I grew up doing. And that's okay. I mean, that's what makes the ag industry diverse. And that's why there's a place for everyone in agriculture, because someone can be just as big a part of agriculture as me, yet never step foot on a farm. And that's what makes agriculture interesting. But I think because I did grow up on a farm and because that's all I've ever known, I do have that profound appreciation for the agriculture industry. Because of my dad and even the work I've done myself, I've been able to see firsthand the amount of grit, 
and hard work and persistence it takes to not only be successful as a farmer, but to be successful in the ag industry as a whole. And I think agriculture and, uh, and farming is a culture in itself. We've talked a lot about culture in our class this year, and that's exactly what farmer, farming is. It's a culture. And a lot of people wouldn't think it, but farming is starting to become very culturally diverse. Around the area where my family farms, we're starting to see lots of Hispanic descended people get the opportunity to run their own farming operations. When maybe say 10 or 20 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that. So that's also a big part of my background is getting to see that change in cultural diversity over several years. So what's something that you think a lot of people uh, think of when they think of farming that's inaccurate? I think a lot of people traditionally, when they think of farming, they think of a 60-year-old white man who's been doing it all his life. And there's nothing wrong with being a 60-year-old farmer who's farmed all his life. Some of the best and most knowledgeable farmers I've ever met are men in their 60s that have been farming since they were 20 years old. USDA actually did a survey and found that the average age of a farmer in the United States is around 57, 58 years old and has been farming for 21 years. So yeah, that vision that people see when they think of farming is sometimes true. But a lot of what people don't see comes down to two things, really, regarding the misconception that every farmer is a 60-year-old white man. The first thing is there are young farmers. USDA has researched that in the past five years, the number of young farmers has risen 2% and still continues to rise. And that number of young farmers, that's talking about farmers uh, age 35 or younger. So that just shows farming isn't just for people who grew up doing it and have done it all their life. It's for anyone who wants to become involved. And the second thing regarding the misconception, I think, is that not all farmers are white, uh, like a lot of people commonly think. I did mention this earlier, but Hispanics are beginning to operate their own farms uh, in the area where I grew up. A USDA survey in 2017 found that the number of Hispanic-owned farms increased from about 70,000 to about 86,000, which is a 7% increase over a five-year period. So diversity is there, and, and it's really starting to become common in the farming industry. I guess to really wrap up my background, uh, I appreciate agriculture because I grew up around it, and that is really the biggest reason why I'm right here today in the Davis College of Ag, uh, because despite my background being different from all the others here, I still serve and advocate for the ag industry just like you do. Okay, so Chloe, what's your story? Yeah, I actually do have a pretty interesting story when it comes to getting involved in agriculture. And I always start off by telling my story that my dad was Mr. Football, my mom was the cheer captain, and neither of my grandparents were involved in agriculture. So growing up, I did competitive dance. I was definitely a girly girl um, through and through, but I had a really fond fascination with rabbits when I was little. And I begged my parents for a pet rabbit they never get one, and my cousin went behind their back and bought me a pet rabbit, and I promise this all correlates, um, but my ag teacher's wife at the time was actually a librarian, so this is about the third grade, and I was telling her I was so happy that I had this pet rabbit, and she was telling me, you know, if you show rabbits at your county fair, you get four extra rabbits, so I was like, in my mind, four new pet rabbits, that sounds good to me, but and my mom worked at the school at the time and my librarian, she knew I liked to talk people's ear off. So she was telling my parents the benefits that came along with being involved in agriculture and FFA. So me and my family, we kind of both just went into it, um, showing a pen of market fryers at our local county fair. And that was really their first exposure to agriculture also. And I went in, somehow got showmanship uh, champion. We don't really know how I did that walked out with a buckle and a sell spot. So from then, my passion for agriculture definitely flourished. As I got older, I got more interested into larger livestock, um, and I got my sister into it also. But where I found my passion was definitely throughout the leadership. Um, I felt at times that 
even though I was exhibiting the market animals, I didn't really know where my place was within ag because I didn't grow up around it. And a lot of my friends that were involved in it had been raised on family farms. I didn't know what it looked like to raise a commodity or show larger livestock such as steers. So when I got into high school and I got to be involved in the leadership events and do public speaking and do um, area office and things like that, that's definitely where my passion for agriculture flourished. And that's what's led me here to be within Davis College and be an ag communications major, because even though I'm figuring out all of the aspects of agriculture and what it means to run these large commodities, I'm still able to have my passion for working with others. Absolutely. So it sounds like you hopped literally yes. right into agriculture. <laughs> yes. And so, um, but coming from Dallas, how has that given you a more diverse perspective of agriculture? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up about an hour northeast of Dallas in a really small town uh, called Celeste. But all the towns around me I've seen in the past 10 years, they've gone from nothing. They'll have a quick check. And then now they're booming cities. So I feel like majority of the times I'm not driving around seeing land. I'm driving around and seeing concrete and large buildings. So with that, when it came to agriculture at my home, I'm looking at things such as urbanized farming, whether that be urban greenhouses where they're teaching students on how to plant there because they don't necessarily have land to do it at home. Or um, we get a lot into technology. So I'm learning more about how when it comes to the labor shortages, how we're using technology to be able to take over that. So it's definitely been an adjustment being in Lubbock, because now you look around and you see a lot of land, you see cotton, you see cattle, and it's not something I necessarily saw a lot when I was at home. So it's definitely a new perspective coming from Dallas, because I'm not necessarily used to the traditional forms of agriculture. Sophia, let's hear from you. So as Chloe, I didn't really grow up in like an agriculturally based neighborhood or family. None of my parents were involved aunts, uncles, grandparents, none of them were really involved in agriculture, really knew what it meant. And I did grow up in a pretty rural, small town, but I chose to stay in more of the urban areas. I focused on my sports. I played softball all my life, but nothing really agricultural based. Um, that was true until my sister actually joined an agriculture class. She was a big horse girl. Um, her nickname was actually horse girl in high school. So she joined an agriculture class and absolutely fell in love with it. The teachers fell in love with her. And so about six years later, I was going into high school and my sister and the ag teacher decided that I was going to take an ag class. And so I was um, kind of forced into it despite all my arguments that I wasn't going to follow in my sister's footsteps. And so there I was, um, freshman year, first day of class, I walk in not knowing a single person in there and sit down and they tell us that we're going to recite the creed. So that next week I stand up, I recite the creed and my ag teacher automatically looks at me and goes, you're joining FFA, you're doing chapter conducting. And from that point on, I don't think I've ever really looked back. Um, it kind of, that was the moment that my life really changed. I signed up for as many FFA events as I could possibly do. I did chapter conducting, meat judging, ag sales, all the public speaking events. I ran for offices, organized events throughout my chapter and throughout my district. And I even stayed after class and between classes and skipped a few classes to go and talk and work with all my ag teachers. And I think it definitely all really paid off. It's why I'm sitting here and studying agricultural communications in Davis College at Texas Tech University um, and why I chose to pursue a career as a lobbyist at a commodity or at a commodity organization. So although my path is a little different, 
um, I'm really thankful that it did lead me to a passion in agriculture. Absolutely. So do you, do you ever get the stereotype that people think maybe you don't know that much about ag since you didn't come from a farm or ranch? So I think a lot of people do stereotype me and people like me um, without really realizing it. When people hear that I was involved in FFA, their first question to me is, well, what did you show or what did you raise? And then it's normally followed by, well, if you didn't show, then what did you do? Because I don't think they really realize that there's so much else that goes on outside of that. Like giving tours here at Tech has taught me that people don't really understand that as well because they ask me what I show, what I raise, and I tell them there's public speaking and there's leadership events and offices you can run for. And that really tends to pique their interest in wanting to get their younger kids involved in that as well. Um, I think it's just a conversation that I try to have with people. So I try to explain as best as I can that there's more to the agricultural industry than farming, ranching, and showing or any of the above. There's so many opportunities for anyone who really wishes to be a part of one of the largest industries. I mean, there's a need for teachers and advocates and politicians. Anything you want to be can be found in this industry. And I just really want to share that message with others. Absolutely. So Gabby, tell us about your background. Yeah, so I grew up in a tiny little rural town, about an hour and a half here, um, northwest of here, um, of Lubbock, and it was an agricultural-based community. Uh, my family has grown up in agriculture, um, whether that's my grandparents um, working on their feedlots and raising those cattle, um, or that's my parents in the agricultural industry selling seed, chemicals, um, and animal feed. Um, so it's been a really cool way to grow up, just not necessarily being on a family farm and raising things, but seeing other people get to use the things that my parents are selling um, or the things that we're um, giving to them to just produce, and it's been really cool. Um, and going into high school, I didn't really have much of an agricultural background. I actually wasn't in FFA my freshman year just because I didn't know much about it. And both my parent or both my brothers were in FFA and they were officers and everything. And I thought it was interesting, but just never really thought about it. And it could be like a career path or something that I was passionate about. Um, and so sophomore year of high school, I saw a lamb at the ag facility that wasn't being fed. And I was like, hey, mom and dad, like, I really love animals and this guy's not getting fed. So, like, can I have him? <laughs> And so they were like, I guess we'll just dip our toes and see what's kind of going on. And so from then on, it really just kind of shot my love for the agriculture industry um, and really the stock show industry in general and just livestock. Um, and so that really just struck my passion. And from going to being a district officer and being vice president in my chapter and just doing different things, even here into Texas Tech, just learning how to advocate for the things that we love um, and be passionate about those things and just really pursue a career and pursue a life that's just wanting to learn more about those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I listen to you, I'll talk about your backgrounds. I think a little bit about mine. And my grandfather was a dairy farmer. I grew up on a tobacco timber farm. Uh, and so agriculture was always one of those things that was, um, I feel like was always present in my life in, in some way. And, and 4-H was something that that really kind of set me on my path as well. And so it's great to hear your experiences and how you all ended up in this, uh, this industry. So tell me, what have you all learned from getting to know one another's background? So all of us grew up completely different, whether it be urban, on a farm, or just knowing agriculture in, gener in general. And we thought it was cool how each path led us into a single path in the agriculture classroom at Texas Tech. And we learned in class that diversity is more than just gender, sex, race, ethnicity. Our backgrounds are a part of who we are and who we become. So it definitely makes a difference when we get to know people, especially in an industry as diverse as agriculture. 
Yeah, and I feel like this all ties into our lesson over emotional intelligence. Um, within agriculture, it's easy to identify the misconceptions within agriculture. Through hearing our st stories, it's easy to see that agri the agricultural industry is very diverse, with us having our own unique backgrounds. Which is why it is essential to have emotional intelligence, especially with the agricultural industry. It is important to understand that the industry is so diverse, you must be aware of how you interact with others. Agriculture is so diverse, it is important to always be aware of the thoughts and feelings of others. As you've continued to learn more and do research over this topic, what has that taught you about the history of agriculture when it comes to diversity? Well, we're starting to see a trend in West Texas where Mennonites have begun moving into this area and taking on farming roles. Um, for those that don't know, Mennonite is actually a religion based on Christian principles. But in history, Mennonites, or any minority group for that matter, haven't run their own farming operations in Texas. Well, now we're seeing all over this area that Mennonites are being given opportunities to have their own farming operation. Uh, some of them even have custom harvesting or custom spraying operations. But because farming is so rich in Texas, and because Mennonites have historically been drawn to cotton farming, uh, they're now seeking opportunities here in the Lone Star State. And I think that perfectly embodies diversity because it's now being promoted in agriculture and has given Mennonites, as well as many other groups, more opportunities to succeed in the industry. Uh, I touched on earlier that many Hispanics run their own farming operations in the area where I grew up. Well, it's very similar for Mennonites. There are Mennonites all around where my family farms, and they've taken up the duty of farming and are now being successful farmers themselves. And speaking of diversity in agriculture, I mean, look at the FFA organ organization. We've seen the name change from the Future Farmers of America to the National FFA Organization. And as stated by the National FFA Organization, the reason for this name change was to encompass the growing diversity of the organization and of agriculture in general. In 1965, FFA became a more diverse agricultural organization by merging with the NFA, the National Farmers of America, which was a group of African-American students who were, who were studying agriculture and a national organization similar to FFA. The FFA continued taking its step towards a diverse organization in 1969 by allowing women to join. As we can see, see even in the 1900s, agriculture continued to grow and diversify. And so it's important for us to take the time to not only recognize each other's backgrounds, but agriculture as a whole. We've talked about how the agriculture industry has included others and how we all have the same goal of making an impact on the ag industry. From feeding the world to being responsible stewards of the land, the ag industry makes such an impact worldwide. But there's still more room for the ag industry as a collective to do. What are some groups that you think agriculture across the U.S. should work to include? Well, I've been doing some research over women in agriculture and their increasing role in the industry. And I found that women obviously are an integral part of agriculture and its diversity aspect, but they're often simply overlooked. In 2017, USDA found that 51% of all U.S. farms have at least one female operator or decision maker. Uh, but not only farms, women also have their own livestock operations, and there are many female ag teachers all over Texas and in the United States. So women can sometimes be overlooked as a part of diversity in the ag industry, but they're just as big of a part of the industry as anyone. I think you bring up a really interesting point when we talk about women in ag. Um, women in ag in U.S. colleges of agriculture have been the standard for the past 10 years. There's more females enrolled in agriculture programs. Um, in agriculture education, I know that now we've seen um, females take over as 
there being more female ag teachers than, than male ag teachers. And so I think that um, that's, that's good. Are there any other groups that any, any of you think that are maybe overlooked and that we should include them a bit more? I just think in general, like including, I know in a lot of our classes, we've talked about including um, agriculture classes in more urban, um, more urban inner city schools, such as like, we have like these giant schools in San Antonio that have never touched um, a growing plant in the ground, or they've never seen a real livestock. I mean, we, I did, we had pre-K kids come to the San Antonio rodeo and do tours. And I had this one kid come up to me and say, look, that's a horse. And I said, that's a cow. And he said, I know what a horse looks like. And I was like, Okay, you know what a horse looks like, but that's definitely a cow. And then people believing that chocolate milk, it comes from brown cows. So I just think including uh, more agriculture classes in those inner city schools and including those more um, urban areas in the growing and diversifying of agriculture is really important to, to the growing of this industry. Absolutely. I think one of the things you talked about, generational, we're, we see that, that there's typically a generation removed from the farm and then that interest comes back in. But but I think now in many places, we're two or three generations off the farm. And so we have to think about how we are all advocating for agriculture and um, and representing and, and helping people to understand. Anything else to add? Yeah, I just spent a week in South Texas and I got to do a South Texas ag tour and building off the generational farms. It's kind of crazy to see and how there's farms that have been operating for years and years, and now they don't have people that are wanting to work. And I think a lot of that is due to the lack of knowledge. And like Sophia was saying about ag education in urban areas, I think that can play a big part in just spreading the message that ag really is for everyone. Because, you know, a lot of times we see the surface level of things, whether that be livestock or large commodity organizations. But just last week, I was exploring things like the citrus industry. So I think that's just another big thing that we need to bring awareness to, especially within ag. Okay. Thank you all for that. So we've covered a lot today, but are there other things, other topics that you all think are important to shine some light on? Um, I think one thing that I've been talking, uh, thinking about lately is just the people that are impacted by agriculture that don't necessarily get to see it. Um, people such as like people that are in poverty that we've talked about in class lately um, people that are affected by food stamps they don't really necessarily see the back work of the growing and the selling of the commodities that they're getting in touch with but it's a really really big issue that needs to be taken care of because we're the ones that are selling um, these things to them and they can't afford them um, so I think looking at it from a bigger perspective of being able to include them into this into this because it's such a broad industry that they're being touched by um, but how do we fix this issue a good point. Anybody else? Um, I think it's like we watched that uh, movie in class. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Place at the Table? Yes, that movie. We watched that movie in class, and I think that just kind of touched, like, another way that agriculture can diversify is by trying to reach those smaller markets, those smaller towns that are full of people um, in poverty and not getting the nutrition that they need because they can't reach those agriculture commodities. They can't reach those fresh food, fruits and vegetables, so they're eating all the processed food. So I think that's another way that agriculture can work on diversifying is just by, by reaching those people um, and reaching those towns. You know, all in all, learning about each other and the history of agriculturalists' background, we've seen that despite the image of agriculture being the older white farmer, it's truly an industry that's for everyone.
And despite making such huge strides already by diversifying diversity in the agricultural industry, there is always room for us to grow. I think especially including people who who are in more urban areas. I think we all have talked about expanding agriculture classes in those insecurity schools and just ensuring that they have those opportunities that we have been given involved in the industry. Along with including other groups who may be considered minorities through this industry, Overall, I think continuing to grow our knowledge over diversity and continue being open-minded and and inclusive of those who wish to be a part of the agricultural industry. And I think to wrap it up, um, throughout this class, we've learned uh, all about different people, how how different people are despite their looks. And really the big big picture is that ag is for everyone, no matter where you came from or what you grew up enjoying. Um, We've learned that each person holds their own values and beliefs and traditions close to them and that it's in each of our best interests to respect and learn about each other's uh, values and interests. I think you all have done a good job today just kind of talking a little bit about um, Ag is for everyone. As, as we look at our backgrounds and um, maybe you grew up with agriculture, maybe you didn't. It doesn't mean that you can't impact the world in some way when it comes to uh, feeding millions and um, helping uh, address poverty, food insecurity, uh, a number of challenges and issues. Um, you know, there are groups we've talked about today um, how, you know, the average farmer is older and, and white in the United States, but there's so much that's being done to address this and to um, help people learn how they can be a part of agriculture. So whether it is um, a Hispanic uh, farmer here in Texas, um, a black farmer, um, in the Northeast part of the United States or or really just anywhere in the country. I think that there's such an opportunity to be involved. And I think that people want to make a change and they want to make a difference and agriculture allows them to do that. Um, Some of the other areas that I see um, there being some, um, some work that's, that's being done, I see is really in the inclusive um, way that, we're bringing in LGBTQ and things like that into the ag industry. And um, individuals have, have been part of that group and have been part of agriculture, but it's becoming more commonplace that they feel um, kind of safe and, and able to, to really lend a voice and a hand in agriculture. Well, my hope after today is that our audience understands the diversity of people associated with agriculture. There are common stereotypes that are linked with ag and how people get involved in the first place. The hardworking people who are making an impact in ag, one animal, one plant, one policy, one step at a time, is that it's made better when we acknowledge and celebrate the individual contributions that go into the collective. Let's have our guests tell you more about themselves. Tell the audience who you are, where you're from, and your major. Hi, everyone. Um, I am Chloe Walker, and like I said earlier, I'm from Celeste, Texas. So that's a tiny town about an hour northeast of Dallas, and I'm an agricultural communications major. My name is Kyler Pepper. I am from La Mesa, Texas, about an hour south of Lubbock, um, and I'm a sophomore ag leadership major. Hey everyone, my name is Sophia McMurray and I am a junior agricultural communications major. I'm from a small town about 30 miles southeast of San Antonio called Lavernia, Texas. Hey y'all, I'm Gabby Douglas. I'm a junior agricultural leadership major and I am from Friona, Texas, which is a teeny tiny little town, small town 
about an hour and a half northwest of Lubbock. Well, thank you all for being with us today. That, that's all for the episode of the Leadership Combine for today. I hope you've enjoyed learning as much as we've had discussing agriculture and diversity. Join us for our next episode of the Leadership Combine. Tell your friends if you're enjoying learning from these young agriculturalists. Don't forget to like and subscribe to get future updates. From our combine to yours, make it a great day. Thank you for riding along today in the Leadership Combine. The purpose of this podcast is to make you think about the intersection of leadership, agriculture, community development, and all points in between. No matter where you're listening from, thanks for your support and tell others. You can engage with us on Instagram and Twitter at TTUAG Leadership. Till next time, you've been listening to the Leadership Combine.